Blog Talk Radio. Delight to have you both here, 
And I'm really excited about the work that you two are doing together. And um, I, at the outset here, um, I would love it if if um, if one of you can tell us just a little bit about what's about to unfold in Yahats, Oregon, in just a couple weeks. Well, Gita, well, <clears throat> Dean, I suggest you start. Oh, I was <laughs> I was going to de- defer to you, but I'll be glad to start. <laughs> 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 Well, you know, um, as you announced in, in telling a little bit about us, Susan, uh, Baptiste has, has just done a wonderful job of putting together this book and film, an incredible end result, uh, let alone all that went into doing it. And I was fascinated uh, maybe four or five years ago when I was first contacted by Baptiste saying that he was putting together this film the power of the heart, and would I be willing to be interviewed for it? And of course I was, and I'm even that much more thrilled to see um, just how good the film turned out and the book. And I'll let Baptiste tell you more about how that all came together for him. But certainly, as you said also in the introduction, how I, uh, in my scientific training and working with cancer, was so interested in helping people obviously fare better you know, certainly their quality of life, but we were pleasantly surprised to find that it impacted their length of life. And where initially I was looking at the will to live, I thought if I could teach people how to increase their will to live, that it could potentially, in fact, impact then the course of their disease. And it was in that process that I discovered that actually why my patients ended up living longer was because they felt listened to and cared for and supported. And that led me to then write the book, Why Love Heals, because it was important to me to really understand how could feeling loved and cared for translate into remission from cancer. And that's when I learned a great deal more about how when you, in fact, are aligned with the core truth of who you are, which I really believe is love, that, in fact, you can affect everything in your life. And That'll be a great deal we'll talk about in our retreat in manifesting from the heart, how you can bring so much more of what you want into your life, uh, but in a very deeper way in terms of making sure it's aligned with your heart and how that facilitates helping you get more of what you really want in your life. Yes, yes. Um, Question for you, Baptiste. Now, um, and, and I think we both share this path where, Um, and many people have, where we may have pursued a certain profession or had training for a particular profession and then either realized mid-career or even before a career that that particular profession is not necessarily fully aligned with what our heart is telling us to do. And I wonder, Baptiste, if you could um, explore your own journey in this, and also how you can help others who feel that they're at a crossroads um, in your teachings, how you can help them with with these questions of the heart as to what we are to do. Um, Well, my my journey started, actually, uh, when I saw an interview uh, where... where, uh, Eckhart Tolle was being interviewed by Oprah, 
And Oprah started the interview by saying, I think there's nothing more important than finding your life's purpose. And Eckhart, he agreed, and he said something very powerful and meaningful. He said, but you cannot get there through thinking. And, of course, that's all what we are offered uh, nowadays, you know, linear, rational, logical thinking. Uh, Our education system is is mind-based, really. And Eckhart said, you know, you cannot get there through thinking. And he said, if you want to find your real calling, your real purpose in life, then you can ask yourself, what do I want from life? But a more powerful question would be, you know, what does life want from me? So what does, you know, life, the higher self, uh, my heart want from me? And um, he said, if you want to find the answer to this question, you have to look for moments of stillness. And the best way to do that is to go into nature And what I've learned is, you know, we cannot find our calling. We cannot find our purpose through thinking. I think purpose finds us when we come into our heart. And the wonderful Mark Nepo, he says in the the Power of the Heart film, he says, a fish cannot drown in water, a bird cannot fall from the sky. Each creature must find their own God-given element. And he says it's easy for fish and it's easy for birds. They know their element, but it's not so easy for us human beings. And why is it when we are born we don't get the manual of, uh, you know, who we are and what we're supposed to do with our lives. And all that we are offered is uh, mind-oriented, uh, uh, linear, logical, rational thinking, and it cannot really help us. So that's why it's so important to connect with your higher self, to open your heart, because only your your higher self, your heart, knows why you're here and what your real calling is. And it's not about doing great, incredible things. It's not about becoming famous, uh, because sometimes people... Um, mix that up, but it's about honoring the call, honoring the whisper, and sometimes that calling is indeed just a whisper to you, and it's calling you, inviting you to do something in your own neighborhood, in your own community, Um, and uh, it's very important that we learn to listen first, and I think our soul has intentions, uh, but our personality also has intentions, and most people, they get lost when they follow the intentions of their personality, their ego the intentions of what society wants from them instead of the intentions of what their higher self, their, their soul wants. And what we're going to do in this workshop is we're going to learn to listen to our soul and we're going to try to identify what our higher self, our heart, our soul wants us to do uh, in this life. I have a question for both of you with regards to timing. When And also patience. Is I know that um, a lot of times we can feel like things, you know, within our work or or different areas of our lives, that they're not manifesting as quickly as we think that we would like. Um, And I hear this often in the spiritual community with various friends, or, you know, this or that project is taking a long time, whatever, even though you feel aligned with it. And I would really be curious as to how both of you have dealt with timing, and in your case, Dean, you know, even with people who are dealing with health issues as well, that they can get impatient. They they feel like they're they're doing the right things, you know, intent-wise, and that, you know, how do we work with time in a meaningful way so that we're we're working with it instead of against it? Yeah, and and certainly when you're dealing with something as serious as any some disease that's life-threatening. Or because of my work also with chronic pain in particular, uh, obviously time is important because you don't want to hurt. You don't want people suffering. You don't want them living in fear. 
And that doesn't mean that we don't apply ourselves and ask and do whatever we can to change those circumstances. You know, my background was uh, really the power of the mind initially. I was so Mm -hmm. taken up by hypnosis and guided imagery and what we call deliberate intention techniques and how we could use those to affect our behavior, to affect our health, and just about anything, honestly. Uh, But what I came to learn, as I said, in terms of learning about love and what really heals, is that there is such a thing as what I believe is called divine timing. And when you are listening to your soul, as Baptiste says, that things happen, um, I don't want to just call it fate, but when they need to happen or uh, more as they unfold. And so one of the things that's had great meaning for me, and similar to what Baptiste said, is to... um, Accept life on life's terms rather than, hey, why shouldn't it be this way or happening faster, is to respect this great wisdom, whether we say of the universe, of all that is, that things are unfolding in a way that is really perfect in its own right. Now, again, I appreciate when you're dealing with serious pain or a life-threatening issue, uh, it seems like time is of the essence. But I think in the process of learning to respect life's unfolding and how some might say, let go, let God, that not only is there great wisdom in that, but that what you want, I think, actually happens, we could even say faster, but will end up helping you and your life circumstances more by respecting life than you're trying to try to control everything. Um, and and I'll, now a question related to that, to you, Baptiste. I know that to make the film, for example, I mean, it took a while and you had some setbacks and different things along the way. And I wonder if you could reflect on that with respect to, again, what Dean just said about divine timing. What has been your experience of that in your work? Um, yeah, well, there are a few things um I think in the, uh, you know it's it's really important that everything is happening. I think for our spiritual unfolding, our, our spiritual growth, and um, you know it's like a match that holds fire until it strikes against something. There is no flame, so sometimes we need all the challenges and all the setbacks and all the delays in order to you know to grow uh, spiritually. And sometimes our full fire, our full potential, comes out only when we you know first have the pressure, you know, diamonds become diamonds under pressure. And I think also that, uh, you know, when things are not happening the way we uh, want them to happen, I think most of the time our ego and our, you know, our ego is involved because our ego wants mm-hmm. things a certain way. And um, uh, John Lennon said, you know, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. And I, I have realized that sometimes our soul or our heart has much bigger plans much, you know, more ambitious, ambitious uh, plans for us than our ego or our personality can can imagine. Because sometimes we say, "Why is this not not happening? This is supposed to happen now. I did all the work, but then yeah. it's time really to let go of our ego and to work more on our alignment with our heart. And it is really important. It is really important to align with your heart and to make that um, a priority. Uh, you know, it is important that we do and, and when we take action that it's inspired action but the alignment with our heart is also very important and I notice in my own life that the times when things are not happening 
the way I want them to happen. It's because my ego is involved and I want certain uh, things uh, from from my ego, really. And mm-hmm. I really have to work on creating more alignment with my soul and just go outside, surrender, open my heart, walk, meditate, whatever brings me back into my heart. Yes. I, I appreciate that word surrender, Baptiste, because it seems that we we need to surrender to to the callings of our hearts sometimes. And, you know, you both raise really something very important here that I think can be quite subtle and not always well understood. I, I know it's an exploration for me as well and for all of us how... You know, so often, you know, we're we're saying, well, we want to manifest what we want. You know, you you use the the word want, and 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 yet, it seems that sometimes, like you say, Baptiste, there's a higher purpose. And and I guess the question here, which I believe many of us can get confused over this, and I'm still working with this myself, is is how we come to understand manifestation itself. When it seems again like you know, um, you know, how do we we better get our ego out of it, and how do we separate wants from maybe this other idea of needs, you know, and where the the universe needs us, or however we want to express that, God, the universe source, um, you know, how do we we get beyond this term want in a way, and then mis- misunderstanding that term want. Either one of you can take this one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, I, certainly as a psychologist, I appreciate the term ego. And, uh-huh. you know, it's really all based on conditioning. We grow up in a certain family and community and culture, and we learn uh, our values, whatever they might be. And I was just thinking as you were uh, making your comments about indigenous peoples and how if you grew up in such a setting that your values would be largely very different than someone growing up in what we call civilization, which really, to me, raises real questions. You know, what does it mean to be civilized versus, in the end, what I've determined we're all looking for is peace of mind, and how do we get it? Because in my search, I've pretty much discovered that most of us don't have peace of mind very often and are not Mm -hmm. exactly sure how to get it, and yet it's the one Mm -hmm. thing we really do want. And that's where your heart or soul really does come in, where I've discovered that there is a wisdom within all of us that absolutely knows what we want and what we need and what will help us get that. And and whether it's through meditation or paying attention to what brings us the greatest joy in our lives, there are ways to learn to pay attention and then how our lives become happier and healthier when we follow our heart or listen to something other than what we've been conditioned to believe is important and what we think we want in our lives. Yes. Yes. Um, I have a question, again, I guess following up to you, Dean, is when you talk about people coming from different backgrounds. You know, I came from a very conservative background where um, we learned about the power of prayer and I guess the question I have here, because Blog Talk Radio has such a broad base, and we have people listening from just all different spiritual points of view, is if we're coming from that point of view where we're more comfortable with this idea of prayer, how do we how do we work with that concept within this notion of manifestation? Is there a way 
to broaden our understanding, you know, where um, if we're coming from that path, that that we can work in that way, you know, just accommodate wherever we are spiritually and still work towards that same goal of listening to our heart, or some would say listening to God, you know, because God is speaking to us. Can can you help us with that if we're coming from, you know, different different spiritual points of view? Well, I'll at least um, comment to be sure. It's very difficult with our conditioning sometimes to really um, be open to other possibilities, other ways of yeah. doing things. And I absolutely respect, and I think it's essential that we respect our individual differences and what we've come to believe is true or important. But I think that there's a real reason that no matter what the religious or philosophical system, we have been taught to pray. And it's because it really works. And we are essentially creators or co-creators with whatever began um, all of the creative process. And I know without exception in my work and study that uh, you have the ability with your mind, I just think you enhance it tremendously and are going to end up being happier and healthier if you follow your heart in that process. Uh, But I know Larry Dossey, for example, wrote a book, Be Careful What You Pray For, You Just Might Get It, is that (laughs) all of your thoughts and feelings are in fact creating outcomes in your life. And you can do it in a very deliberate way, uh, which will then, in fact, increase the probability you'll get what you're focused on. It's just that what Baptiste and I have come to understand in a very dramatic way is that, uh, in the end, what I really think is we want to feel safe and loved and be happy and healthy, is that when you are really, truly willing to open your heart and listen to whether you say it's God or, you know, this inner wisdom, that you're going to uh, largely uh, impact what it is then that is going to have you happy and healthy versus, you know, we say how money can't buy happiness. And so just because we get what we think, you know, if we really try to define what success is or what we think we want in our lives, it really still breaks down to me as peace of mind. And how do you get that? And what we've come to believe very strongly now is that it's when you're listening to your heart or the yeah. spiritual insight or however we can through our various traditions um, ask for guidance in our lives and know that we can get it. And then the yeah. key is to follow it. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, something you said, Dean, and I'm actually going to bring this back to Baptiste, is, you know, the very topic of your book, you know, Love Healing and Baptiste, this concept of, of being loved, that the universe is for us, source, God, I want to use a term that's general to apply, you know, whatever someone's term is that they want to use. But how much, Baptiste, in your journey and what you convey to others, is it important to realize that that we are in the midst of a loving, that we are part of a loving universe that's supporting us towards our highest path? Yes, well, I think it's it's really important, um, and I think if you start to uh, look at life through the lens of the heart, through the lens of the soul, uh, you 
you will see that this is the case. And, you know, there are really two ways to look at life, whether, you know, there's this is a uh, um, supporting, loving universe, or, you know, it's, it's not a supporting, uh, loving universe. Mm-hmm. If, if you live from the, the personality, the mind, because the mind is seeing everything from... Uh, more limited perspective, you know, the, the mind, if, if it's on a boat on a river, the mind can only see the next bend, the next turn on the river, um, so it doesn't see the whole river, so the whole world seems to be, you know, uh, un, unclear, it doesn't, there doesn't seem to be a higher intention, a higher, um, a higher love beyond everything, but if you look from the perspective of the soul, then you can see the whole river from source to sea. And, of course, our biggest challenge is to learn to trust the soul, to learn to trust the heart. And I think we can only really find out for ourselves that this is a loving universe if we start experimenting with it. Um, And that's the way how we develop trust in the love of the universe and the love of the soul and the wisdom of the universe and the wisdom of the soul because there is a higher love, a higher law, and a higher wisdom and a supporting wisdom behind... uh, our whole existence and our whole reality. Yes, yes. That term trust is is so very important that you use, Baptiste. And I know that the power of the heart, you know, we'll talk about the movie right now and certainly the book as well, but the power of the heart movie has some intensely powerful stories in it of people who encountered what we would say are pretty significant challenges in life and yet you tell such powerful stories as to how they come through those. And there may be people listening to this who are saying, but, 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 you know, and they're just dealing with something really challenging. And, Dean, you've certainly, you know, worked with people like this in cancer centers. And I I think, um, you know, there's that victim mentality, I guess, that, that we can have. And um, help us some more with how to get out of the the victim and um you know how how do we find our way to a path where we're no longer feeling like life is happening to us okay um first thing i want to comment that it i don't have an easy answer or that is an answer that says hey just do this yeah. because as i expressed earlier in terms of our conditioning, sometimes our conditioning is so great that we don't really see other ways uh, or ways that feel comfortable enough to really make these changes and change our beliefs. One of the huge surprises I found in my work when I was trying to teach this will to live is in having people identify their interests, needs, and values in particular, and then encourage them to incorporate those into their lives is that most people, and I literally worked with thousands of people, said that that was too selfish, that they had come to believe that everyone and everything else should come first. And so now to say, as I was proposing, that this was going to go a whole lot better if they had a better balance in their lives between doing for others but also making sure they were taking care of themselves. So, uh, again, I don't want to sound um, uh, pessimistic in any sense because I'm very optimistic. I know that people can make changes, but they don't necessarily happen easily. 
I want to go back, though, to the comments you made about trust, because I think that may be the biggest issue of all, is really Mm -hmm. coming to trust, and especially when in our childhood we don't learn to trust so well. We learn that we only feel loved and cared for largely when we're doing what others want us to do. And so that's not a very comfortable uh, space to be in where you don't feel completely free to just be you. But one of the things that helped me when I was writing Why Love Heals and trying to understand how that could really happen is to uh, look at some of the discoveries within quantum physics. And one physicist in particular, his name is David Bohm, really looked at uh, what he says is the underpinnings of all of reality, all of matter. Uh, And he called it a primary reality just as a way to understand or label what it is in terms of uh, this uncaused cause, as Aristotle called it. And he said this primary reality is one of complete harmony and order and compassion. And he even went on to say, and he he did some interesting uh, writings with Krishnamurti, this uh, wonderful Indian sage, and they proposed blending physics, religion, and mysticism that the entire universe not only is this force of compassion, harmony, and order, but an act of concern for all of creation. And they concluded, in short, that the energy itself is love. The ultimate nature of the universe is an energy of love. And so whether we look at it from a religious or philosophic perspective and how we're taught that God loves us perfectly and that if we turn to uh, the wisdom and insight and guidance there, or from a more scientific perspective, and that the universe is 100% supportive. I even think of a Star Wars kind of image where Darth Vader you know, talks about um, there's a disturbance in the field. Well, with partly a sense of humor, I want to say we are the disturbance in that field of complete harmony and order. And when we are out of alignment with that, which happens all the time as part of being human, then we get in our own way and then things don't go as smoothly as they can if, in fact, we learn to trust and learn to follow our heart. But I want to come back again to then acting on it, uh, whatever that guidance is and however we understand will put us more in alignment with the ultimate nature of the universe. Yes. Um, Dean, I have a question for you um, as to how... How do you assist people? It seems so often when something has happened in life, whatever it might be that that could be challenging, we have a tendency to replay it. You know, I think that's just human nature. We tend to just replay the loop, you know. It's like a replaying film sometimes. How do you help people, Dean, get out of the loop? You know, stop, stop, or, well, I won't answer the question for you, but how how do we get beyond that? Um, that cycle that can feel very unhealthy, and a lot of times we even know we're in it and and we consciously would like to get out of it. Yeah. I think one of the very effective ways, but it takes a discipline, is to pay attention to how you're feeling. And if you're feeling, let's just say, very simplistically good versus bad, the higher probability is that when you're feeling good is that things are going well, keep doing that. So then the key would be when you realize that you're feeling out of sorts is to sit down as soon as possible 
and be in touch with that feeling rather than try to fight it or make it go away as though we shouldn't ever feel depressed or angry. That, in my mind, is just sheer silliness. There's no way you can be human and not have a full range of emotions. We just need to become more comfortable with expressing them, that the so-called negative emotions are um, just as real and need to be honored as as the so-called positive. So, again, when you recognize that you're not feeling aligned with love or not feeling so good, and sit down and, and embrace that feeling and issue like you would a best friend. If a best friend were really feeling out of sorts, you know, I, I have this image of Cher in this movie where she smacks this fellow and says, snap out of it, you know. Well, you wouldn't do that to a best friend, really. You would sit down and you would go, even if I have no idea what I'm doing, I'm going to be there for you. We're going to go through yeah. this together. And that's a, yeah. a great way of say loving yourself and that's what we need to learn to do for ourselves is be more patient and gentle and kind and accept ourselves for our, for whatever we're going through. And in fact, I think that's a good way to even begin to talk about self-love in the same way that you would love another and completely accept them is to learn to do that for ourselves. And that's the magical transformative process that I've had to learn can really work because my training was, again, you focus on only what you want, like in hypnosis and guided imagery, and that increases the probability that that will happen in your life. But in mindfulness and this loving yourself process, you focus on exactly what you're feeling without judgment. And that's why I call it the perfect act of loving yourself. And then I think that's why it's transformative, because now you're aligning with love. So it does take a discipline. But I think that if people would learn to just as soon as possible really sit down with themselves and and send love to themselves instead of, even when I think of people who have a health issue, you know how if you have a, a cold or a flu or something more serious like cancer, and we talk about it negatively, I don't want that, you know, get that out of my life, is to maybe more befriend it and say, why are you in my life mm-hmm. and what do I need to do to bring back this deeper sense of health and happiness. And I think it's also important to mention, Dean, that uh, our whole body and our cells actually can hear what we think, right? Sure. Yeah, so it's really important uh, to be aware of what our thoughts are and how we're, you know, dealing with ourselves and if we're speaking in terms of self-love to ourselves. Yeah, and I must say in my experience, we do not do this really well. As you said, Susan, people usually just kind of repeat to themselves everything that's going wrong instead of coming back to remembering who they really are and how supportive the universe really is or this God force really is and then allow that to work for us and with us. But that, again, I think whether it's a a transcendent-type experience that actually many people have, and then help them to appreciate there really is this very supportive force in the universe. But one way or another, I think that we need to catch ourselves and refocus on um, what is going to realign us, um, or we're only going to increase the probability that it actually can get worse. And sometimes maybe that's the that's the uh, lesson is to really pay attention, as Baptiste was saying, because uh, I think that there's a wisdom within us that 
will actually, uh, I don't want to say create a worse condition, but allows for or ends up being created that um, hopefully I say, you, you know, you you uh, don't have to get hit over a head by a two-by-four before you pay attention. Yes. 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 Sometimes well, we feel that well, way. <laughs> yeah, what, what what I've learned is that, uh, uh, and you see too with all the people I've interviewed for the power of the heart, life is always whispering to us. Life is always giving us signs, but because our heart is whispering and our soul is whispering most of the time, we don't hear it because our mind is much louder. Uh, um, I've seen that a lot of times people first have to have a crisis, whether it's uh, an illness or, uh, you know, a personal crisis, uh, a divorce or a breakup or a loss of a job. And then the the urgency of the situation is so uh, big and they realize that the conventional wisdom, the conventional way of thinking, their mind cannot help them to get through the situation and they are forced to go inside, and then they start to listen. But then, of course, it is sometimes, uh, uh, you know, a very urgent crisis situation. And I think we don't need to be in that crisis situation. We don't need to have an illness first or uh, a big crisis situation in order to start listening, because there's a higher wisdom, but you can't access it through thinking. And most people are not making time for it. Most people... As long as they think, okay, my life is pretty okay, I'm not very happy, but it's all pretty okay, then they don't make the necessary steps in order to start living from a higher perspective, from perspective of their heart. And what I know is once you start listening to the intention of your heart and your soul, then everything is just more fulfilling, everything is more exciting, everything is more inspiring, and you just start to work from a higher perspective, and you start to co-create with the universe, you start to co-create with something that's much higher uh, than yourself, and you cannot get there through your own, you know, meager thinking, your own mind, it's just too limited, and I think if you really want to have this fulfilling life, and if you really want to co-create with a much higher force, and you want to experience support of the universe, then the only way to access that is to to, to, to listen to, to your heart and listen to its intentions, and then you start manifesting from the heart. Right. And Baptiste makes a good point in terms of the way I have said it many times, is don't wait till you get sick before you get smart. So whether we think of it in terms of preventive medicine or otherwise simply taking care of ourselves each day is if we were to meditate or make sure that we're doing things that we really want to do in our lives instead of all the things we've conditioned to believe we should be doing, um, then we're also much less likely to find ourselves in a pickle uh, and more likely than to have what we really want in our lives. Yes, yes. Um, Baptiste, you said something about how you know the heart whispers to us and that there can be signs and I wonder if you could, and both of you can explore this, um, talk to this notion of synchronicity and guidance, because I know many of your way showers talk about that, Baptiste, and many people can attest to this. Um, just, I, I wonder if you could talk about the miracles that can help us to align with our true paths and help us to listen. Uh, well, I think synchronicity is really due to uh, being aligned with your heart because uh, intuition is seeing with your heart. Intuition is seeing with your soul. So when you are tapped in 
to your heart, when you tap into your intuition, then synchronicities start to happen in your life because you are able to actually see them. A lot of time, you know, I think synchronicities are happening all the time. Um, signs are happening all the time. But if we are not connected to our heart, to our um, soul, to our intuition, then we don't see them. And uh, most of the time we think, oh, what a big synchronicity. But it happened because we were already aligned on a deeper level to our heart and our soul. We we never make that connection, actually. Um, but you see it in, 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 in the Power of the Heart film. You see it very well. Um, you know, there's an experiment uh, where they show that the heart actually can see events before they take place. And they've done this in many independent laboratories all over the world. And then uh, Roland McGrady, one of the researchers at HeartMed, he says, uh, it doesn't mean that you should go to Las Vegas and that you can win all the time because the soul has certain intentions. And if the soul thinks it's not in your best interest to go to Las Vegas and win all the time, it's not going to help you there. It's not going to work with you there. So the soul will only give you signs, synchronicities, uh, when those signs and synchronicities are aligned with the higher intention that the soul wants to pursue. And that's why a lot of times synchronicities are not happening and signs are not happening because we're off track, we're not aligned with our heart, we're not um, tapped into our intuition. And they happen when we align back to our heart, and then they seem to happen all the time. And then life seems to be a miracle. But um, it's not a miracle, it's because we are tapped in to the universe, to something that's much bigger and something that is supporting uh, harmony and a divine order. And I think that uh, it is really important, and I agree with what uh, uh, Dean said. He said the ultimate nature of the universe is an energy of love. And the universe is 100% supporting harmony, love, and order. But you can only see this harmony, love, and order, and the synchronicities, and the signs, if you're tapped into that. So they're, they're linked. Yeah. I have a question for both of you, and I know both of you have explored this in your own ways very powerfully, is listening to joy, aligning with joy. What would you both have to say about that? I know that, Dean, you wrote, you know, doctor's orders, go fishing. Um, And that has to do with, with joy. Could you speak to that? Because sometimes, you know, I know you say we can feel selfish sometimes. That You know, people can feel like, you know what, I'm supposed to, you know, pursue a path of, of joy. Help us with this notion of joy and, and listening to joy and making room for joy. Okay, I'll sure give it a try. You know, as you said, I've been long interested in the will to live or uh, what is what does it mean to really look at what brings you the greatest joy and meaning in your life? And one of the things that I think universally might help people is to remember uh, Joseph Campbell's work when he was looking at parables and fairy tales and myths and stories and the wisdom that lay within these parables and myths. And one of the greatest underlying messages throughout all of these was follow your bliss. And I know many of your listeners will know this and remember this. And I don't think it was a spurious finding that, in fact, there was this message. And so early on in my interest in guided imagery, I happened to intern with the Dr. Carl Simonton, who was the oncologist 
that pioneered the idea of using your imagination or guided imagery, say, for example, to see your immune system, your white blood cells gobbling up cancer cells. So he obviously had a strong interest in guided imagery, as did I. But what I learned in working with Dr. Simonton is that by far his greatest message in his program was to move your life in the direction of greatest joy. And so when I was developing the program that I taught in my cancer centers, I very much understood that and agreed and tried to do that as well as I was saying earlier. I know without reservation in in just so many years of teaching and getting feedback from people, when I would ask, okay, so when do you have peace of mind? Remember they found that they didn't have it often or how they really got it. In the end, though, what occurred to them was they had it when they were doing, in fact, what brought them the greatest joy and meaning in their life. When they were going fishing, that was the expression that I just used because in central Pennsylvania where we were based, um, outdoors kinds of sports and especially fly fishing for trout was just this huge event and a very serene event when you think about it. And so I, I would encourage people to do, again, what brought them the greatest joy and meaning in their lives. And they realized that. I mean, even when I would say deer hunting, which was also huge where I lived. And, and so uh, I would say even if we had someone who was really sick, whether that was with cancer or whatever, I mean, so sick they couldn't even get out of bed, where would they be the first day of buck season? And almost in unison, they would say, in the woods. No matter what, they were going to be out in the woods hunting. And then I went on to say, okay, well, let's say a really sick deer hunter actually got a buck. Do you think they're going to feel better or worse for having gone hunting? And again, almost in unison, they're going to feel better. So people know that, that indeed when they're really busy doing what they like to do, we say they tend to forget their aches and pains, they really will feel better. But we still have to come up against the condition that says, and somehow we have to justify making time to do what we really want, when um, the, the clear logic is if you're not taking care of yourself and you're running around always trying to do for others, at some point you wear yourself out, and then you end up being no good for anybody. So um, I think we just really need to think about this logically and be willing to uh, look at this differently and see that, in fact, when we do what we really like to do, not only are we going to feel better, we're nicer to live with. And I think that's a great reason also additionally to then think about why we really want to make time for ourselves, which initially sounds selfish. But I have an even bigger picture reason. We know that our thoughts and our feelings go through our body. So whether we talk about that in terms of biofeedback or psychoneuroimmunology, and I mean, just or the simple logic of if you're feeling happy or sad, it's going to affect the way uh, your health status. Anyhow, is we just simply need to take more time to uh, be more aware of our thoughts and feelings because not only does that energy go through us, it goes out into the universe. And so what do you want to be broadcasting to the universe? And I can't think of a greater thing to broadcast than joy as a way to literally increase the happiness and uh, cohesiveness or coherence of the universe than to, in fact, do what makes your heart sing. Yes, yes. Baptiste, related to this question, um, in addition to you know, pursuing joy, there's a really 
um, I would say, a fun part of of the power of the heart, where you show a businessman um, jumping on a trampoline, and and uh, you know, you really explore not just this notion of joy, but of play. That word too, play. And I wonder if you could reflect upon that for us, how important joy and this notion of play are in our lives. Yeah, well, joy and play are very important because they connect us back with um, our inner child, and I think our inner child is also closely connected to our, our soul. And, um, you know, when everything is heavy, when everything is the opposite of joy, um, we don't have access anymore to those, you know, what I call divine attributes, uh, you know, of of synchronicity, of of, of feeling supported, of insights and wisdom that uh, you cannot access through the mind. And if we put ourselves in a state of joy, and I think uh, the heart is uh, showing us really that you know, we should live in a state of joy, the joy is our essence, then the divine attributes are back, uh, you know, available to us. We have more insights, we have more wisdom, and I think sometimes joy is the way back to our heart. And you see that in the Power of the Heart film, where those two businessmen, they decide to, uh, you know, one doesn't want to go on a trampoline, but the other mm-hmm. one persuades him to go on a trampoline, and all of a sudden there's joy, and and. and you know, they start to laugh and they make a real heart connection. There's a saying in the Torah, words that come from the heart, touch the heart. And I think we really connect with our hearts and with other people's hearts through joy. And then that becomes a foundation for them to, you know, to do business. And I think this is the strongest foundation that you can have, joy, heart connection. So joy is is, is really important because I, I would almost say without joy, there's no life. And uh, joy is, is really maybe the ultimate reason for everything we do, you know, because why are you doing everything, uh, you know, you are doing in your life? Because ultimately you want to experience more love, more joy. And um, I think that we should use joy not only as the result, but joy should be the way. Uh, so if you want to be happy, you know, let happiness and joy be the way to whatever you want to achieve. Right, I agree again. And, and like the idea of follow your bliss, I was thinking how the way I really prefer to do therapy is to put people in touch with this inner wisdom, with their heart. And so when we look at our symptoms, and we know obviously through lots of conventional treatments uh, how to go about dealing with our symptoms, but what I have found is that almost always there's another reason underlying your symptom that's deeper that needs to be addressed if you're really going to make long-term changes. And I think our approach to chronic disease should point that out pretty well. We're not really that effective at dealing with chronic diseases in our conventional medical treatments. Anyhow, the point of this is when I'm helping people explore, okay, what really is underlying your symptoms and what you need to do to uh, become healthier, and I would say the greatest issue and insight that comes is joy, they need more joy in their lives. Um, so, again, it's just become so clear to me in different ways that it's essential that we have more joy in our lives. Yes. Um, I have another question, an area we haven't touched upon. This has been quite the, the conversation. I'm so appreciating it. Um, relationships, whether you're in a relationship, a long-term relationship with a significant other, or you're seeking a relationship, seeking your soulmate, however you want to put that, or with a soulmate, or, you know, 
the whole gamut that you can encounter in terms of relationship. Um, I, I'd like you to reflect on this. And also, you know, in the, the retreat that's coming up, for people who want to, to explore that aspect of manifestation in terms of relationships, I wonder, starting with you, Baptiste, I guess, if, if you could um, reflect a little bit on that as well as to how the heart space and manifesting from the heart um, impacts that area of our lives. Well, I think uh, first and foremost in a relationship, if you want to have a meaningful relationship, then I think you have to be connected to your own self, your own source, and that's always only through the heart. You know, uh, Mark Nepos is in the Power of the Heart film. If I'm asked to leave who I am or part of who I am in a relationship that I can't stay connected to, you know, my essence. Uh, I think it's really important that if you are in a relationship with someone, that this relationship is uh, grounded in uh, in your essence, right? That you you are authentic in this relationship and that you are true in this relationship and that you communicate from your heart in this relationship. And it's really challenging, and we have to work at it uh, on it uh, every day. Um, John Gray, who is famous for, for you know, men are from Mars and women are from for Venus and all the relationship workshops that he created, he still, you know, every day he has to, you know, communicate with his wife. And, he, and, 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 and if she feels that he's not communicating um, from his heart, then she will tell him, John, I don't want to talk to you until I can feel the love, I can feel the heart in your voice. Uh, I, I think she makes a very powerful statement there. It's really hard because, you know, we have so much distractions. We have uh, uh, obligations. And, you know, how are you going to stay connected to your heart? How are you going to every day choose to uh, to communicate with your partner from that place? And I think those are really challenging um, things, really, to, to every time, every moment in this relationship to, 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 to speak from, from the heart to have this uh, love in your voice. Uh, so one, you know, two things I think where really you know, the heart uh, is really important is make sure that in a relationship, that the relationship is there and that people are really communicating with each other from the heart level because that's the only way where you can really have a truly authentic and meaningful and fulfilling relationship, I believe, on the long term. And the other thing is every day make the conscious choice to communicate from the heart level. And that's uh, challenging, but also inspiring, I think, to have that intention. Yeah, yeah very good. Yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. I certainly agree yeah. that you have to really connect with yourself first and um, really come to a deeper understanding and love of yourself if you're going to be uh, your best in a relationship with someone else. And uh, I know that I have found in my observations that, like when Baptiste is saying that we need to work on this, it doesn't sound like we should have to, but it's reality because I really believe to a great extent we marry our opposite. I have observed that one of the couple will be more uh, self-centered and one will be more nurturing. Uh, one example I've also found is one will uh, want to throw things out um, and the other will want to hoard or hold on to things. One will be more neat, one will be less neat. 
And if we really look and analyze this, we go, my God, why did I marry this person? (laughs) But I think at a deeper level and at a vibrational level um, that we we are attracted to one another to actually help heal each other, which doesn't sound very romantic, but I like the term that life is this healing dance. So it does take an effort um, Uh to be supportive of one another and acknowledge that some people are going to be stronger in some areas than others and and to respect those differences and to look to each other to really um, be open to another way of doing things and softening in some ways and so forth. Additionally, I think that um, I want to throw in just as a last story before we run out of time here in terms of listening to your heart (laughs) and how that helps you in relationships. I actually share in my book, Why Love Heals, that I married my wife, and we've been married now a little over 20 years, is Uh that I would not have married her if I just followed my very logical mind. I had always Uh reasons why I didn't want to be in this uh, long-term relationship. It it ended up in the end, it was because of fear of intimacy issues. But I was told so strongly uh, when I would listen to my intuition or my heart that if I were to marry my wife, Shelley, that I would be extremely happy. And in the end, that's why I married Shelley, which I keep going back, doesn't sound very romantic. But I am so pleased that I followed my heart and how it really pointed me to, actually, Shelley was my best friend, but that, Uh and there's some logic into marrying your best friend, but that we have become an excellent, um, we've become excellent partners and, and sharing with each other and helping each other. And I can attest to, it really does take work, I could say more so on my part probably, to Uh do what really needs to happen in terms of opening to um, not trying to be in control all the time and listening to my heart. Yes. Well, that's a powerful insight as well. And, you know, thank you. We are running out of time in the live show. I wish we could just create more time, but um, I just so appreciate both of you being here together. This has been a wonderful time of sharing, I feel. And I guess right at the end here, I would like um, maybe, maybe Dean, if you could um, just once again tell people where they can learn about um, the upcoming retreat. And, you know, no matter when people are listening, I'd like both of you to talk about where they can find you. You have to do it kind of quick, um, just the information that's out there and what's coming up. Okay, well, October 17th and 18th, so in two weeks, on a Friday and Saturday, excuse me, on a Saturday and Sunday, Baptiste and I will be in Yahats at the Overleaf Lodge and Spa, and they have a beautiful event center, and we will be offering this retreat, uh, Manifesting from Your Heart, where we'll talk about a number of the things we've already talked about today, but even more so, how do you actually do this? How do you make it work for you? And you can go to my website, www.deanshrock.com, and then when you're there, click on the events button where you can register for this event, and uh, we surely hope that you'll be joining us. I know that people from all over the world have registered, and we're really looking forward to this. So we appreciate this opportunity to tell people about it. Yes. Thank you. Do you have any final words before the live show goes down, Baptiste? And thank you for being here today. Well, um, I think that uh, once you really start to identify the dangers of your soul, the dangers of your heart, then uh, you become a 
and, and you start to, uh, you know, really listen to that and follow through on what your heart is saying, you you become a very powerful manifester. Uh, most yeah. of the time, people have blockages there because they don't, uh, they're not able to listen to their soul. They don't know how to do it, and I really feel, and it's my own experience, that if you unlock this. Um, this voice of the soul, if you identify uh, intentions, then you really become unstoppable. So I would like everyone, you know, who's hearing this, to come to Yahas. You will have an incredible two-day retreat. And you will become unstoppable. Yes. yes. Well, thank you so much for being here. And we're we're actually in the podcast now, but, um, you know, and I'm welcoming people across time who've, who've been listening to this. And, you know, I, I want... Um, people to know that even even if people are listening to this podcast at a time past this retreat, I know that, that both of you have the intent to just continue teaching. And um, Baptiste, can you speak just for, for a moment as to where people can find out more about, about all of your work and, and what you have coming up? Because you've got screenings going on just all over the world. <laughs> and um, if you could just yes, well, note I, that I, really quick. If people want to uh, know what I'm doing, uh, what they can do is start following me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my name. Um, uh, what they also can do is go to our Facebook page, The Power of the Heart. They can recognize it because of the blue vignette. And also go to our website, um, thepoweroftheheart.com. That is thepoweroftheheart.com. There you will see uh, all the events that we're doing that we want to, you know, make public. I mean, there are some events that are not public, yeah, but the no public way. events are are uh, available uh, on our website. Yeah. And, well. um, yeah, I would certainly also invite everyone who's listening uh, to check out the trailer of The Power of the Heart uh, yeah. on YouTube, The Power of the Heart official trailer. Yes. Yeah. And it's a, it's a powerful film, and it's one that you can watch over and over again. I can... I can attest to that. And and your book is wonderful, by the way. Both of your books are, all of your books are wonderful in terms of sometimes once you've read them through, even just turning randomly. I, I love having your books available in the middle of the night just to turn to some section, and it's quite synchronistic. <laughs> Beautiful wisdom. So um, thank you both so much for being here again. It is just such a pure joy to talk with you both, and I am just so appreciative of the opportunity. Thank you so much. Oh, and you're welcome, and we're glad that so you're going to be coming to the Manifesting yes. from the Heart uh, <laughs> retreat and, and joining us. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and and I will say, Yahats, Oregon, and I've known this for many years, is one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. And, you know, you just, once you see what the coastline is like there, it is it is astonishing. And um, it, it's a, such a beautiful place. So um, I, I invite people to come from, you know, wherever you are, if you can manage to get out there, because it is just so beautiful. So, so thank you both again, and I appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much, Susan, and I'm really looking forward to seeing you soon in, in Yahat. Yes, yes, me too. 
Okay, take All care. Right. Thanks well, so much. Yes, take Thank care, both so of you. All right, bye bye. take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, just a couple of show notes here quickly. Um, we have, let's see, the next show, and I want to let people know that FrontierBeyondFear.com is where you can find out about the show. And actually, I am going to go ahead and put a link out there to the retreat site as well for people so that it's really easy to find it off of there as well. Um, so that'll be out there. And I just wanted to let people know that um, the next show is Friday, October 2nd. I have a very popular Portland guest on, and those of you in the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, Yahats is so close. And I'll tell you, I am not the most adventurous driver in the world. I will tell you that right off the bat, and I did it just fine. I drove. I actually drove the coastway, and it was so beautiful. Um, it was gorgeous. And there are a couple of ways if you're coming down from Portland to get down there. And, you know, either way, you're either going through through forest or you're going, you know, down the coast. And, you know, I found it to be a really easy, pleasant drive. So I really invite you to, to, to get down there and um, enjoy this weekend that's coming up. Um, again, the next show um, is Friday, October 2nd with Christine Green, who is, um, she is the voice beyond, behind Sacred Heart Ministries in Portland, and many of you are aware of her in this area, and she is going to talk about the power of emotions, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Friday. And then we have moved a show, we were actually, those of you who, who heard this show yesterday know that we were going to have um, Steve Noble on the the former director of alternatives in, in London, and he's doing a lot of work. He is returning to the show, but he's actually going to come on Monday, October 5th at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. So um, we got a couple of really interesting shows coming up, and you just never know if I might just not get on the air sometime, I mean, with a spontaneous show. So keep an eye on that schedule, FrontierBeyondFear.com. And I'm very appreciative of you all being there. And if you feel so guided to support the show, there's a way to do that. This is a listener-supported show, and that's also on FrontierBeyondFear.com. So take care, everyone. I hope that that you you out there are listening to your heart. I hope you appreciated this conversation today as much as I did and just how much we have to learn from these wonderful way-showers Um, And I am just in such a space of gratitude. And may we all listen to the whisperings of our heart today. 